Welcome back to Patrama Therapy. I am dehydrated. Dallas is in a heat wave. There's all kinds of flash flooding going on. The humidity is over a over a hundred percent. People are awake in the middle of the night because at least it's not hot. But how are you? Well, hi. Um, thank you very much for the introduction because the first step is always the hardest. I like when you ring the bell and say a few words to our listeners to greet them. I, um, I am, uh, I'm sitting in my car eating an apple. Uh, I think, uh, is that what I'm eating? I mean, is that the forbidden fruit they say about in the Bible? And then I'm thinking, no, that was probably not. Or, or was it? Was it yes, an apple? Yes, yes, yes. So on our cover shot, we see a woman in a garden and she's picking a fruit. So in many different cultures, there are, the fruit is used like in the Madonna and child uh, uh, paintings. There's usually a, a fruit and a lot of icons. There's usually a fruit and a lot of uh, fairy tales. There is a fruit and the apple uh, has, has often been a classic symbol of the forbidden fruit. But, you know, I like to take a green, I mean, a Granny Smith apples, they're very, very crisp. And I like to saute them and cut them thin, saute them in butter, put a little bit of Grand Marnier or something like that on them, and then serve them over cold ice cream. So that is a very decadent dessert. Well, I'm sure that sounds great, first of all, and it's also tasty. But, but uh, yeah, it's, I never, I, when I, whenever I eat an apple, I, uh, I somehow think that, first of all, it's very good to your health, very beneficial, because one apple a day keeps the doctors away. Uh, there is this uh, expression that keeps the doctors away if, uh, if thrown hard enough. But, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, what I'm thinking of a Bible. It's not, it could be, it could be in pineapple, pineapple, or no, uh, we wait call orange wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Well, okay, so a pineapple you can't just bite into. You have to have a huge knife and cut off all the spiny growths. You have to cut off the top, like you have to cut it into pieces. Like a pineapple is a lot of work. But I would like to just kind of have a shout out to the pineapple because it's a, a uh, in the hotel and resort industry, the pineapple is the symbol of high hospitality and high class resorts. So those of you that are going on resort vacations this summer, you will notice pineapples, you know, uh, sometimes embedded in the uh logo or someplace in the resort. So the pineapple, you know, the pineapple is something that we're going to just put on the side and not not really. But it could really be could have been a forbidden fruit because the the um, what's the garden garden of Eden? It, it is a top notch resort, quote unquote, no, and they could well, have eaten the pineapple, which could okay, be well, a first, forbidden okay, fruit. Pick you can pick up an apple and eat it. Like you're sitting in your car eating an apple. 
You cannot just sit in your car and a knife. You need an assistant. But, you know, the Garden of Eden is an archetypal story of, uh, you know, God, you know, allowing man and woman to have the gift of life. And they, they, God said, you know, in the Old Testament, which is recognized by, you know, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, that the, by the um, garden, every, every man has everything. He has his woman, he has these beautiful trees, you know, he's wandering around naked. I mean, how do you feel about being a man wandering around naked with a beautiful woman? And that's even... that's the problem. That is the problem I'd like to address right now. Because if I were an Adam in paradise and uh, there was an Eve next, uh, my my physical need would be met. Right, which every each and every one of my physical needs would be met, but there wouldn't be any notion of a spiritual life, would be. Well, you don't need a spiritual life because you're with Tina Fey, or you're with you're, you're, I would be with like Stevie Ray Vaughan, or I would be like the idea of paradise that it it is a sort of place of complete happiness. But one of the things in the story of creation that I like is that supposedly. Adam was sleeping. You know, I love taking naps. I have a lot of friends. They they love taking naps. And then there's also people like David Anton that'll say, like, "I'll just sleep when I die. I want to live my life. I'm going to go bicycling. I want to I want to go swimming. I want I want to I want to go climbing." So you know, there's different needs that people have. So if you were in this garden of perfect bliss, let's call it bliss. Following your bliss is a phrase used by Joseph Campbell in The Power of Myth. So, so in this garden, there is sort of perfect bliss. And then God also planted a tree, and it is the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And supposedly the story is man and woman, woe man, woman, woe man, uh, were encouraged not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. But God wanted man and woe man, woman, to have free will. So even though there's like a sign on this tree of knowledge that says, do not eat, man had the choice. So when we face template, let's suppose you're married and you see a pretty girl at the coffee shop and you think like, she is like so amazing. I would like to get her phone number. Or suppose I'm out dancing with some people and, and I know that the guy's married, but you know, we're just dancing and he wants to buy me a beer. Is there anything wrong with me accepting a beer from a married man? Is, is that wrong? No, I'm serious. I know that no, he's the culture is, culture is different uh, in your place, whatever it is you are, it, it, it may seem normal and uh, socially approved, but in some other countries, it would not be appropriate step to make. Where? Right? Where, where is it not appropriate? Like, for... No, I'm just, I'm just I mean, saying... if I come up to some girl and offer her a drink, um, I don't know, I, I'm like, 
You've never considered... done that before. You would be considered creepy and weird? No, it's just that I... Uh... Uh... No one in Russia sees pretty Actually, girls I'm, and I'm offers speechless. them drinks? I'm kind of speechless. I, I never get uh, to know any uh, <laughs> women I would like to be in a relationship with. I never start my relationship in the bar, right? Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's what no, the bar No, well, I mean, it could, be, it could be the but bar. I'm kinda... it, it could be at the museum. It could be at an art opening. It could but be but, but you can't offer a drink in a museum. That's yes, you point. can. There's drinks there. It's a, There's an open bar. You could, the museums in Dallas... And that would not be appropriate, honestly. It's, if you were in a museum, you offer somebody's drink that you would consider a little off. I love that. I've been to some amazing. They have these things called art crawls, like crawling, like a baby crawls. You go from like from one museum to the to the from gallery to gallery to gallery, and every single one has like wine and cheese and grapes and. And you're sort of standing around looking at the art and you and everybody smells great and everybody looks great. And it, you know, I have heard, I mean, you can meet the most amazing people at museums because, and then someone might say like, oh, I see that your drink is finished. Should we get another one? And then I look at you and I say, well, yes. So we just walk over to the bar. Of course, it's all free. You don't even have to pay for it. And uh, it would be like paradise. Like, you know, Adam and Eve didn't have to use cash. They didn't have to use credit cards. They didn't have to think about Bitcoins. They didn't have to think about like derivatives. They're just in the garden, hanging out, having fun. But God said like, you know, if you taste the forbidden fruit that is on this tree of knowledge, there could be some consequences. So do you remember from the stories of the, the story of the body Eve, eat of the forbidden fruit? What's the story? What do you remember about the story? Well, I uh, I haven't personally read this part of a Bible, but uh, somehow I don't, I'm trying to understand where did I get that from, but I definitely know what it's all about. Um, because Adam and Eve, they were in the Garden of what Eden. the garden was called? E-D-E-N, Eden. Yeah, that was in paradise, basically. And um, she slept, oh, he slept, actually, that Adam slept and, uh, and Eve didn't. So she um, decided to try the fruit which was specifically forbidden by God. And uh, I guess the serpent, the serpent told her that's not a big deal. You can eat anything you want, like much more smarter than your husband or Adam. You know what? I've just remembered that there was another woman before Eve. It's called Lilith. L Lilith. You ever knew yes. that? In yes, the Bible. Yes, maybe that's conspiracy, but, but Bible, they taken her out, basically, in the Bible. Well, okay, there's different translations of the Bible, but let me just go back, let me just go back to, she's kind of a dark, she's kind of uh, the dark Eve. So let me just go back to the, the story of Adam and Eve, the, just the general story. So the, so the general story is that Adam and Eve were kind of there, 
and maybe Adam was resting or leaning up against the tree. There's lots and lots of paintings of Adam and Eve in the garden. There's like so, especially the Renaissance painters have so many uh, depictions of what this was all about. And generally, there's like a, a, a serpent somewhere. The serpent could be on Lucis is the medical symbol for healing. And it is a staff of life with two intertwining snakes. And I believe that one of our subscribers, um, um, Mr. Is it Mr. Michael in Albuquerque, had made a very nice comment about the caduceus. So the snake being associated with knowledge and healing is, is also a, an, a universal symbol. So the story in the Bible, the Old Testament, in, is that uh, the snake suggested to Eve, well, why don't you come over here and taste this fruit? Now, remember, they're naked and Adam is resting. And, you know, sometimes I think that there are sexual meanings to everything. <laughs> so, well, it, so, was, it wasn't like that in the... Uh... Uh, before time, him, the, snake, the, the snake suggested to Eve, "Come try this fruit," and then Eve took the fruit and then offered it to Adam, and and she said, "Wow, let's taste this fruit." So, um, you know, they were both kind of co-conspirators in the garden. Like a lot of uh, patriarchy likes to say, it's Eve's fault that we're fallen. We are in a fallen state, and before. Before the fall is a time that's called pre-lapsarian bliss. Pre-lapsarian bliss. There's a whole bunch of literature written about pre-lapsarian bliss, about the beauty of life before women destroyed it. And um, Adam and Eve eat from the fruit, and then God looks down and says, whoa, you guys ate from the fruit. we got to have a consequence from you, because like I told you, you shouldn't go there. So the consequence of eating the fruit was that you were going naked and ashamed of your bodies. And we're going to like put fig, fig leaves over your private parts. And you're going to have to deal with shame. And also when women bear children, it's going to be painful. And y'all go ahead and leave the Garden of Eden. Here's the gate. And you go into the world. So the Garden of Eden was a separate place and heaven's a separate place and the world is a separate place. So we live in the world, like you're in Moscow or you're in Boston or you're in Austin or Michael's in Albuquerque or Tony's in the, you know, outside of London, I'm in Dallas. So in the real world, there's all these hospitals. So when a woman goes into labor, she goes to the hospital and, you know, labors to give birth to a child. A, a newborn baby and and you know we we sometimes people just feel like being naked so who, who go to nude beaches in france and in italy and they just enjoy being naked but in you know a lot of western society you know hanging out on the beach being naked with your friends is considered perverted are there any like naked beaches in uh, Russia? Not that I know, not that I know of. But from what you have just said, that made me think. I deduced that by the forbidden fruit, because you said uh, that it means sexual, 
seemed sexual to you. For by the forbidden fruit, you um, you consider this as a metaphor for sex. Is that right? No, I'm saying the tree of knowledge is that one day you. This is the tree of knowledge. One that pain is real, that suffering is real, and that one day you will die. And mo, I consider a lot of literature about uh, about to be about sex and death. Like sex is oh. eros, life, and mm -hmm. uh, Thanatos is death. So m many, 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 many works of literature are about the relationship of life and death. I, I'm not just like, I know that I mention the word sex a lot, but you know, you're in therapy. <laughs> I mean, you know, we want, we all want to be loved and we, we wish we didn't get older and we, we, you know, we get new haircuts, we buy a new car, we like, you know, some, a lot of women in Dallas get Botox, you know, they, they get facelifts and, you know, plastic surgery and, you know, death is real. And like, we are older now last year. How does that make you feel? No, that makes me think because I thought that, uh, what if, um, what if uh, Adam and Eve didn't taste the fruit of knowledge, didn't eat the fruit of knowledge, and then they wouldn't have left the Garden of Eden, and then the Jesus wouldn't have come to this world, and then, I mean, I'm totally confused because the bad thing seems to be like the good thing when you look at this from the other perspective. Well, um, there's some people, there are some people that literally, they are very literal in their translation and understanding of the Bible, that there was a real Garden of Eden, and there was like a real snake, and there was a real man named Adam, and there was this woman named Eve, and then they had these kids named Cain and Abel, and then Cain did different things, and Abel, did, like, some people believe that this is literal like you have a grand I have a grandfather I can literally I have pictures of them but there's also other people that say the Bible is written by humans and it's metaphorical stories about what happened back in the past so maybe there was a prototypical guy you know way back then I I just think to me it's just it's the story of the human condition like we ask questions like where did i come from and like you know why does my life suck and like how am i going to find love so i i would say the story of adam and eve is a for me it's metaphysically real it's spiritually real because i do believe in god and i do believe that god came into the world and we, and and we we are born in the world we're not we are we have spirit and we also have flesh so in siberia or berlin or someone's born in albuquerque i was born in san antonio i was physically born in san antonio and my life has been through in a lot of different cities and so that you know as we grow we, we always have all these temptations but i just think that that god allows us to have free will it's very complicated you see that's why it's interesting to talk to the actual priest because they've learned the bible and uh, they preached it once they're out of their uh university what's it called seminary seminary yeah and they know you, a lot 
But see, they're also humans. They're also humans. So, for example, there's different orders of priests. There's the Vincentians. There's the there's the Jesuits. There's the Dominicans. It's you know it's kind of like different football teams. Like you know the Dominican priests are preachers. These are direct service to the poor. The Jesuits are the defender of the faith. So, a man right now. Women can be ordained in the Episcopal Church, in the Methodist, but like in the Catholic Church, women are still not ordained. But, you know, like suppose you decide to be a Jesuit, you know, like that means you're like super, very, very intellectual and you can, you, you deliver high, high intellectual content sermons, you know, and, and then there might be somebody else that, you know, is a Vincentian and he's assigned to a parish in a very low socioeconomic area well he's not going to give like high power lectures to a community of people most of which don't have any formal education so like when priests go to their parish it's like when you go to a restaurant there's some fancy restaurants there's some just kind of dive restaurants that are fun to go to like so not preaching the same sermon but the, the the reading is set for the year the readings are set. It's the, called the liturgical year. And the readings are set. But Father Don is going to deliver one sermon. And Father Mike is going to give another sermon. And Father Toshio is going to give an, a, another angle on the sermon. I think we I should think listen to would... them all and make yeah. our, our conclusions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I... I love to hear Father Don preach because I'm I'm an intellectual and I loved all of his high-powered references. And then a lot of people at the parish, you know, they, they would be like, well, why does he talk about all this stuff? We just want to know how to fix our lives. Like, you know, we don't really want to think so much. And these people were genuine, honest Catholics who, when Father Don came to this parish, his is the responsibility talking about like we, we just want to know how we're doing you know and if there's this one sermon it's it's it, it's set the liturgy is set for the year and all the catholic churches get the same liturgy and so do the churches in france and in italy and in spain the 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 liturgy is set so maybe people are hearing it in french or in in german or russian or you know chinese whatever i just remember there's this there's this one I think I don't know if it's the Feast of Christ the King or if it's a different one where the main thing you're talking about is Jesus talking to his disciples and asking them, who do you say that I am? And I remember I was sitting like in the fifth pew of the parish with my little notebook out because I like to take notes. And Father Don just stood at the pulpit and he just kind of like looked out over the crowd. And he said, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And then he paused uncomfortably long. <laughs> People were squirming in the pews. And I just thought that was, I mean, then he delivered the sermon, but I just thought it was like a brilliant opening. Like he asked us, to think as Catholics and Christians, well, who do we say Jesus is? Who do we, 
what, what, what do we believe? It was like this uncomfortable moment where you know, people were fidgeting in the pews. It, it wasn't it wasn't too long, but what an opener! Do you, wow. do, you do do you have the Bible at home? I got a bell. I got some water. You don't have a Bible. Yeah, I have Bibles. I have all kinds of Bibles. You didn't tell me I needed a Bible. What do you want me to look up? What's the first word in it? I mean, Old Testament? Well, the Bible includes Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Yeah. Starts off don't with, uh, don't you have a Bible in your car with you? No. Why not? Why would I have a Bible in my car? I mean, I'm confused. Is that what yeah, you have? That's, that's the same feeling I had. You go, do you have a Bible? Yeah, at home. Because <laughs> you're home. Yes, I have a Bible. Yeah, I have a Bible. I have a can you can respond? You know, there's Please. different translations of the Bible. There's the King James Version. There's the New American Bible. There's the, you know... There's Which one do you have? Hundreds and hundreds of Bibles, Bible translations. There's hundreds of them. Yeah, just read the first word from the one you have. Okay. You know, I now have to go to my bookshelf and find my oh, Bible. It's, it's, it's out of reach. I didn't know it that. It is not hard to reach. It is not hard to reach. There's nothing that is difficult other than talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> fear not. No. What they say, angels say, fear, fear not. <laughs> it's not helping. Gosh. Golly. Where is my book? Here's Anna Karenna. Okay, here is the seven-story mountain. I don't even have my glasses on. Here's... Here's a, I wonder if there are how many people out there to who have read the entire Bible. Sure that uh, you did that, but there's uh, tons of people. There's tons. There's Bible studies at every single Catholic church. They just read it and they discuss it. There's groups. There's like, you know, it's it's like you know, like gyms. You go to the gym and work out. There's like Bible studies all over. There's there's gyms all over. I love this book. It's called The Sacrament of the Present Moment. What if we go with that book instead? <laughs> Read the first word out of it. Okay, The Sacrament of the Present Moment was written by Jean-Pierre de Cossade. And it was translated by Kitty Muggeridge. And it was originally called Self-Abandonment to Divine Providence. So this guy, uh, De Cossade, was the spiritual director of these nuns. It is a mystical treatise. Wow. So the story, the, this starts off, the first page, well, there's a preface. Okay, it says that you must try to read this with your heart. Okay, let's see. De Cossade's prayer for the state of abandonment. Oh my God, when will it please thee to grant me the favor of living always in that union of my will with thy heavenly will? Oh, that seems harmless enough. Harmless? Harmless. I mean, the line yeah. you just read, that... Yeah, he That's said, okay. when will it... When, which means the person is still working on it, 
trying <laughs> to be get his life aligned with a heavenly will. So God desires for us to be in a state of grace. God desires us to be in a state of bliss. God desires us to be free from suffering. And you know, we're just kind of working it out here on earth. Yeah, I like this guy. It was really, really interesting how I got this book. It was so weird. It was more spooky. It's another spooky thing. You want to hear it? Yeah. Are you, are you afraid? <laughs> I'm excited. I, yeah. Well, you know, I was in Houston and I was driving around and I, I, I think I was teaching at uh, Duchenne Academy of the Sacred Heart. It's a, it was a girl's school, a very rich girl's school in Memorial. And uh, might have been the summer and my daughters were off on summer vacation with their dad. I think they went to Stockholm or Turkey or someplace. So I'm there, it's the summer, so I'm by myself. I'm in my car, it's like hot, because it's Houston. And I'm just driving down Memorial Drive and I'm going home. And then I get this feeling, uh, this like, I call it infused knowledge, this feeling drive over to the cenacle, the C-E-N-A-C-L-E. Cenacle is the upper room where Mary and the disciples met after the, uh, the crucifixion. So that they're up there like hanging out, waiting for Jesus to come back, because that's what he said he was going to do. So the Sisters of the Cenacle, it's a retreat center. It's a beautiful wooded area that has peacocks wandering around, and you can go there for workshops, and they have rooms that you can stay in and that you can do Tai Chi there and you can go on retreat there. So it's a beautiful retreat center. And I used to be on uh, a volunteer on staff there and I, I was doing like some art therapy and journal therapy, like doing some little workshops on art therapy and journal therapy. So I, I was familiar with the place. So I was just gonna drop by and look at their library and they have a very interesting, an interesting, they have a very good library and then they have a bookstore. And it's very interesting because there's no cashier there. There's a little box and you can take your book and the book says $14 and you're supposed to put your money in this box. So you have the opportunity to steal the book. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I, was found, I found that so interesting, this little bookstore that has, you know, books on the lives of the saints and books on meditation and books on family prayer, like just a lot of a lot of really nice books. And there's there's like a little box where you're supposed to put your money. And then, you know, uh, so anyhow, I got this feeling to go to the cynical and browse the bookstore. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I could do that. So I pull up to the cynical and I park and I notice the parking lot is empty and there's usually eight or nine cars and I see a sign on the door that says closed which it, they might have been having some repairs or something but the sign on the door said closed and then I had this feeling open the door and I kept arguing with myself like that's dumb because the sign says closed but I went ahead and followed what I call promptings of the spirit. And I opened the door and I walked in. So there's the beautiful reception area, no one's there. Air conditioning is on. I'm looking around thinking like, well, where are all the people? Like there's, there's usually people here. 
And then I decide, well, just go to the bookstore. So I go to the bookstore and there are certain books that I look for that I like. You know, I like certain books. And I just suddenly saw this book, The Sacrament of the Present Moment. And I just saw it and I had this feeling, like picked the book book up. And I thought, I don't think I don't know what it cost. How much does it cost? Seven ninety-five. It's it cost eight eight dollars, but this was maybe twelve years ago. It cost eight dollars. And I looked through my purse and I think I had four dollars of cash. And I kept thinking, well, you know, I don't even have eight dollars. I have four. Then I kind of felt like God was telling me, well, just take the book. You can come back and give the other money later. I kept thinking like, well, I think I'm stealing. And then I then I thought, no, I'm not stealing. I mean, besides, like there's no one here. And so I put the $4 in there. And then I got this feeling like, well, just go ahead and leave. And I kept thinking like, this is like the weirdest thing. There's nobody here. So I just hold, held on to the book and just kind of like looked around, just walked out. There was no one there, got back in my car and just came home. Later, I returned several days later and, and paid the, the other amount. But I'm saying that's how I got the book. I feel that that God wanted me to read this book. Well, let me, I mean, th thanks for sharing, of course. And let me say amen, because that's the last word in the Bible. The last word in the Bible is amen. And also, uh, do you mind if we wrap it up right here? Because that story is wonderful. I, I think there's not, nothing more to say left. Well, amen. And uh, adios. <laughs> <laughs>